0: Welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me, as always, is Cameron Span.
1: I am not striking.
0: (laughs) And Court it.
1: I am not a member of SAG,
2: nor am I a member of WGA.
0: Y'all, I was in here with Nicole, and we have been making posters. We have been making sure the sticks are properly taped to it so the winds do not blow it away. Like, come on, guys.
1: Well, I had a history of film acting. I was never SAG, so I had no business ever uh, protesting.
0: (laughs) Forever ago when we started this, we tried to say, look, we're going to do episodes that are kind of about content, but try and make it where even if you have to go back and listen, you know, six months after we recorded it, it's still very relevant. There is a big trend going on right now, and we kind of touched on it a little bit in the fandom episode, but it's too big not to talk about. It is a huge financial impact on the economy. So, of course, we are talking about striking. We are talking Mm -hmm. about the writers and now the actors striking Mm -hmm. and So, this is gonna be just kind of us talking about it. Obviously, uh, Cam's got the background of being an actor. And then courts with his theater background, his New nothing. York background. I'm d-
2: don't even try. I'm nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and
0: me just lo- enjoying actors and writers and content. So you Ooh,
2: know, Katie <laughs> enjoying those actors, huh? Oh, Risque. Mm. Gosh.
0: Okay, but with, first off, we have a list.
2: Well, a little background on the list. Okay. As I mentioned, I think during the fandom episode, there was a strike, a writer strike, about a decade and a half ago. And um, we, we talked about that in the fandom episode and, and sort of the effects of that. And mm-hmm. um, since we're having yet another writer strike, and it's also combined impact of writers and actors, we figured we would talk about the impact of the last writer strike when it was just the writers. And so our list stems from that. OK, now you go.
0: OK, so these are shows and one movie impacted by the 2007 writer's strike. I will admit, I feel like I need to turn in my pop culture card because I have maybe seen a little bit of some of these shows, but I feel like I haven't really watched any of these things we're going to talk about.
2: Yeah. Well, if you can go ahead and hand over your card now, because some of these
1: are absolute must have seen. Tell me you've seen C, the option C. I'm not going to give it away. I've
0: seen two episodes. Get out
1: of here. I know. It's it's
0: on my list to watch. But okay, I'll start it off and we'll be short and sweet. Unless Cam, you want to start?
1: I mean, I'll start. Yeah, Yeah. Cameron, go ahead and start. Okay, shows impacted by the 2007 writer's strike. First on the list is Prison Break. Abby and I saw the first, I think, four seasons of this. Mm -hmm. And as the title suggests, you've got this guy named Michael Schofield who is wrongly accused and put in prison. It's got a great premise, you know, Mm -hmm. you love that. And he breaks out of prison, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert. Uh, But as the seasons go on, it's like a different city or country, and he keeps getting into prison and escaping. And I'm like, what are the odds? Yeah. Yeah. I, I never actually watched the show, but I
2: did read read about it in, in magazines. And it was like, oh, well, he, he broke out. So now what's he going to do? And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, like, well, he broke back in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but if we're just talking the first season, it's fantastic. Mm. I loved it. Uh, and then a little note here. The WGA strike was happening during the third season, and it was shortened to only 13 episodes. The show had a Fifth season air in 2017, eight years after it had originally ended. That improved upon the mess that season three created. And boy, was season three a mess.
0: Oh, goodness. And that's a big gap in between. Okay, next one: X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Obviously, I know who Wolverine is. Yeah. I have not seen this, I've How seen X-Men. What? I mean, I even have an X-Men mark on my leg from the escalator incident in December.
1: Guys, this movie was bad and I love X-Men. I am a huge X-Men fan. Oh, man.
0: Co- oh Co- this do you is the movie? One? Okay, I did see this then. It was so bad.
2: Oh, I, I I remember, I recall that people had a very negative reaction to it. There was one specific element about the movie that they didn't like.
0: Horrendous special effects?
1: Yeah, they were bad. And it had Gambit, my favorite character, and he was no bueno.
0: This is worst iteration of Deadpool put to screen. <laughs> oh, boy. It yeah. was Deadpool in it? Yes. Yeah.
2: The funny thing is Deadpool was in it. Uh, it was played by Ryan Reynolds, but it was it was not the comic Oh, I don't remember. Not i not even it. close to the Deadpool, you know. Well, because yeah. now
0: I've seen the promos of, you know, Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. together. They're doing a Deadpool Wolverine movie, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah.
2: excited. Oh, it's going to be good. It's yeah. going to be good. Absolutely. Well, anyway, they, how were they affected by the strike?
0: Right? I mean, obviously, people weren't crazy about this. It was a terrible fate as a studio it was desperate to get the script written before the Riker strike began. So obviously, they rushed to try and get this out there, which turned into horrendous special effects, poor writing, as we talked about, a bad adaptation of Deadpool and the screen and it turned into a running joke in Ryan Reynolds Deadpool movies to the point where Wade actually visits the X-Men Origins timeline and shoots the version of himself mm-hmm. in the head <laughs> So, even Ryan so Reynolds good. is like nope done. don't you love when actors go back and make fun of I their really it. bad stuff
2: Yeah, and Ryan Reynolds is probably one of the best in terms of going back and making fun of his crappy past. Okay, next one. The next show affected by the 2007 strike was uh, Breaking Bad. Mm. Um, Now, obviously, highly acclaimed series. This was a total of, what, five seasons? Uh, But in 2007, they had a shortened season one. And uh, it is said that uh, Breaking Bad is actually one of the few shows that benefited from having a shortened season because – one of the showrunners' original plans was to have Dean Norris's D- DEA agent, Hank Schrader, uh, killed off in season one. And because of the shortened season, they ended up changing up how, how basically how that whole story panned out. And you ended up getting Hank for
1: almost all of all five seasons. <laughs> All shows can learn from breaking bad. I mean it's it's my favorite show of all time, but it's the perfect amount of seasons. Don't you hate when a show overstays its welcome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have a bad taste in your mouth? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: This is on my list to watch. I've seen two episodes and it's it's I just need to get
2: it gets better
1: it. and better. It doesn't stop yeah. getting better.
2: And they also say that uh, Aaron Paul's Jesse was was saved by the Rider's Strike. Really? So that's two characters that were saved Whoa. by the Rider's Strike. So,
0: in oh. this instance, the Rider's Strike actually maybe saved the show versus Wolverine. Yeah. It was kind of a negative effect. Yeah.
2: yeah. They still had a shortened season. With the exception of the movies that are on the list, all of these TV shows had shortened seasons because of the Rider's Strike. But in Breaking Bad's case, the shortened season helped.
1: Next on the list is a movie we discussed recently, I think, Friday Night Lights. I think Katie asked me if I had seen the movie or the show and yeah, there never... was
2: actually this is actually
1: the show that they're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I have seen the show, I had never seen the movie. Okay. I think Katie was I've the seen opposite. the movie. Or you were i you I've were seen the movie. Yeah. The movie yeah. Bob Thornton. Thornton. Bob. Well this uh follows Coach Taylor in Texas. You got high school football, and it's great. I mean small town vibes, great soundtrack. It's moody. I like the show. But During the show's second season, the acclaimed show ended on a huge cliffhanger. Seven episodes of the 22 that NBC had originally ordered were not made. The cut in episode count led to the famously disliked storyline involving Landry, that's one of the high school kids, that had left a negative impression on the otherwise highly praised show. Take a knee, boys. Take a knee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Katie, guess what you get? Gross.
0: (laughs) Okay, so The Office... Yes. That I have never sat down and willingly watched. I have had people have it on in the background around me. I've had people quote it left and right. I've had people put it on their Snapchat story. So I feel like I've seen elements of it. I have seen the episodes with James Spader, though. Oh,
2: the worst of the episodes. <laughs> uh, but those weren't even episodes that were affected by the strike.
0: Yep, so fans of The Office will usually associate season eight and nine with the point where the show declined in quality after Steve Carell left the show, forcing his character, Michael Scott, to leave. Some of the fans only saving grace for that error was the addition of James Spader.
2: Yeah. (laughs) How does anybody consider that a saving grace? I don't even.
0: The strike happened during the show's fourth season, which was cut by 11 episodes, faced a five month break that occurred between the eighth and ninth episode of the season. The show then faced a four month break between season four and five. Obviously, this was not affected because people do not shut up about The Office and still (laughs) reference it. All the time.
2: Every show, I guess almost every show that was airing, certainly any scripted show that was airing when that writer's strike happened, you saw, as I mentioned during our last, during our fandom episode, you saw shows back then they were regularly producing between 22 and 24 episodes and shows were putting out, you know, somewhere between 12 and 16 episodes that season instead because of the writer's strike. Yeah. The next show on the list, it was one of my son and my favorite shows to watch together. It was Heroes... (laughs) it was a, a tv show that, that basically was about people that found out that they had superpowers and you know i've never seen it Uh the first season is phenomenal i, I love the first for season this. i r- i really really enjoyed the, sec- the the first season the second season people say that the show took a dip in quality in the second season From the very opening episode of season two, people were complaining about season two. So that particular fact was not impacted by the writer's strike. But season two also then suffered from the writer's strike cutting the season short. Basically, they dug themselves into a a hole of badness, uh, according to the fans, and they couldn't write their way out of it. They didn't have time Mm. to write their way out of it. And by the time it came back for season three, it basically was... Ooh, yeah, not good. A lot of the fans had left because of season two and then season three.
1: Whew, man, man. So, but season one is great. I think we're learning something here. Writers, while overlooked, are the reason why shows are good. I, I,
0: I just wrote that down to talk about yeah. it.
1: And we'll talk about it more. But, like, mm. actors and directors get all the credit. And, yes, it, they are important. But. Dang, you got to trust your writers. I was going to
0: say, because even the best actors, if they're not given good content, if the writers are not writing something good, then they can try their best, but you've got to have the content.
1: Yes, we'll dive into that. Sorry, I took your point. No, 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 you're fine. Okay, next on the list is a show I haven't seen, but of course I've heard of it. It's called Pushing Daisies, and real quick, I'm going to read the very brief synopsis on IMDb, and it sounds... Very interesting. A pastry chef with the power to bring dead people back to life solves murder mysteries with his resurrected childhood sweetheart, a cynical private investigator, and a lovesick waitress. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm in. When Pushing Daisies premiered in its first season, it was about a month before the WGA would declare a strike. However, the strike caused production to be delayed for almost a year and ratings dropped. Since it was a brand new show, the huge gap between the first and second seasons significantly hurt the show and any chances of spreading word of mouth. Yeah. So basically with this show, um, I actually have seen some of the episodes.
2: I haven't watched the whole thing and I was never a giant fan of it, but it was hugely critically acclaimed the critics loved it and the critics could not stop talking about it the problem was it could just never pick up any steam because again there was a delay between seasons and people just never really picked up on it so uh, a few episodes into the into the second season they just basically cut it off and said oh well was that Lee Pace's breakout role I think yeah. so and and you yeah, know the yeah. other thing about it is and anybody who is familiar with TV shows being cut short in their uh, you know in their potential uh, this was a show that I'm fairly certain aired on Fox. And of course, Fox is the best about canceling shows before they share. They are so good at that. <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth was in it. Random. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah.
0: And the last one.
2: And the last one. That's you. Me? Yeah. Well, Cameron just went. Oh. You seem a little bit lost, Katie.
0: I am a little bit lost because mm-hmm. the, lost, last epi-
2: the last,
1: last <laughs> episode, the last, <laughs> lost, lost. <laughs> the
0: last one on this list is lost. The last um, on the
1: list is lost. lost. I've only seen three seasons of it. I've, mm.
0: I've never seen it, but I know that there's a lot of people that talk about it. Maybe there was a big upset or something.
1: Well, okay, so.
0: We don't, yeah.
2: <sighs> big fan of Lost. I actually stepped out from watching the show during either season three or season four. Like, I kind of lost interest and just didn't follow it. And it was back in the you day when. You lost interest
0: and in lost? Yeah.
2: It was back in the day when, you know, there was no streaming. So you you either – I think we had DVRs when Lost was airing. And so you either had it recorded on your DVR and you watched it that way or if you missed an episode, you just missed an episode. And I guess I just missed uh, several episodes And either season. Like I said, I think it was season three. And then uh, the producers decided that they were going to go with a –
0: Are you talking about the season four and five with the – yeah plane crash?
2: Well, I mean, basically what they did was they went to ABC because it was an ABC show and they said, look, we know how we want to finish this. We know how many episodes it's going to take. So we want to do these these last few seasons with just a limited number of episodes. And it was like 16 episodes per season. The thing is people didn't like the way it ended. They didn't like the, 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 there were a lot of threads and a lot of mysteries that the producers introduced and the writers introduced that people had huge fan theories about what what these mysteries were and how it was actually going to pan out. And in my humble opinion, like 75% to 80% of the fan theories were nonsense. It was never going to happen. A writer was never going to put on screen what these people were theorizing was going to be the resolution of the show and so forth. So a lot of the people that got upset about the show and didn't like the way it ended were just upset that their theories didn't
1: pan out. And let me tell you, some of the theories were stupid. I thought it was a great format for a show because every episode they'd break out and, and focus on one of the characters that was crash landed and then they'd Go back in time and kind of discuss their like Evangeline Lilly. Wasn't she a was she a thief, uh, or did she just have a shady background? She's definitely shady. I think there was some some stealing or maybe a murder in there. I yeah. can't remember. She was she was definitely shady. But there are so many castaways here, and you can focus on each of them. That's why there are so many seasons.
0: Before we get into the actors' strike, I do want to talk about the writers' strike real quick. Cam, as you said, I I wrote down as we were talking, writers are so crucial to all this content. And, you know, I I think about when, Court, when you were saying people were very upset with the ending. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. and how a lot of people were very upset with how the normal Game of Thrones show, not all these Mm breakoffs, but how that show ended. And, you know, that was one that that show, there there were books being written at that time. Mm-hmm. And so there are examples across the board of TV shows, movies where a book has been written and sometimes the author is still actively writing or the show gets to determine which direction they're going with things, which mm-hmm. then causes Fandom, you know, love it or hate it and lots of comparisons back and forth. But at the heart of it, hopefully, which what you walk away from this episode, I think is thank you, writers. Mm -hmm. Writers are so crucial. And I know the writers are striking a lot because of the A.I. and the scare of that. And so that is a big thing that's affecting a ton because obviously production got slowed down with the writers because there's no more content there. And one of the things that I'm sure y'all knew, but I was not really thinking about it is even though a script is written, you still need the writers there. Because for instance, I was seeing something, there's a lot of actors that will like to ad lib or change stuff up, or, you know, you may write it on paper, but then when it actually happens, you know, something else happens and it changes it. Well, so you need a writer then to fix it and to rewrite it, or if, you know, especially think about... John Candy, Jim Belushi, some of those guys um, that are just nothing but, you know, Robin Williams, that they just say whatever. And then you'd have to have a writer to be like, oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. Where do we go from there? And so these shows, while, yes, you may be going, well, I have the script. Why can't they've got the actors pre the actors striking? Why can't they keep going? Mm. Well, if you've got an actor kind of like these guys or anybody they need a writer there to help make the content keep going.
2: 100%. Of course, also, I mean just from from the actor's perspective, Cameron, feel free to jump in here. Show ain't happening without some actors either. Oh,
0: yeah, and, I, I was we going to segue into yeah, that, yeah.
2: And the thing is, one of the things that that both writers and actors are concerned about. You mentioned in passing the AI thing, but one of the big things that that SAG-AFTRA and the WGA are both negotiating over is shows being produced with AI. And specifically with actors, they they want absolute limits placed on how their digital image can be reused without their permission. Because one of the things that they're worried about, like you said, is the, this idea that you can take an actor's image that, that, that's been recorded digitally and retool it and use basically the actor's image in composite to create an entire new movie without the actor participating at all. Have
0: y'all seen the Black Mirror episode with Annie Murphy?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and and scares so the that scares the heck out of actors blah. for yeah. sure, I guarantee hey you. That. Because basically they they're talking about actors being being uh, dispensable. Once you have a digital rendering of the actor, it basically you can put them in any story you want. And on the writing side, you could I, I just saw a, t- a, a post, uh, I think it was a Twitter thread. It might have been a what is the other the one? thread thread? thread. It might have been a thread thread. I can't remember. But uh, Justine Bateman, who is, of course, uh, originally uh, Alex P. Keaton's sister on Family Ties. She is a writer. She's also a director. She's also an actress. Uh, She posted on either Twitter or threads what the actors are concerned about and what they're concerned about, again, is that reuse of image. But what the writers are concerned about is basically the idea that they're sort of pushing back against is this idea that someone could go in. And it sounds cool from the consumer side. I could go in and say, I want to see a movie that stars Justine Bateman and Jason Bateman as siblings who rob banks and are chased by a polar bear across the country. Because I love polar bears, Katie. Come on. (coughs) Without having to involve a writer – or without having to involve the actors. Theoretically, there could be, uh, in the very near future, uh, AI could have the ability to generate both the script And the actors acting out the script just using this digital technology. So you would cut out the writers, you would cut out the actors, and you would have something using those actors' images against their permission. Writers would be out of a job because who needs the writers when you've got AI writing? And I get a movie with Justine and Jason Bateman going across the
1: country being chased by a polar bear, which sounds like heaven to me. But actors and writers don't like it. And there's also another reason actors are striking. Uh, I read an article yesterday. Mandy Moore was out there picketing. Have you all seen this article? And she she told a news outlet while she was uh, picketing that, that her show, This Is Us, mm-hmm. she gets checks in the mail ranging from $0.08 cents to $0.83 cents a month for that show ever since the Hulu deal. And I don't know. It's like, oh, poor Mandy Moore. She's a millionaire or whatever. But she put in hard work for that and she's not getting a cut at all.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, so many of these contents that are going directly to streaming, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about the new Indiana Jones movie that came out. Um, There was another movie that came out and it's all going straight to the movies. It's not going straight to streaming Mm -hmm. and how, Now, granted, I haven't seen the movie yet, but it's getting hurt because everybody's like, why isn't going to streaming? Everybody is wanting everything to streaming, but they're not realizing the actors really benefited from the box office, the sales of that, doing that. Well, and especially
2: if their deal included like a percentage of the back right. end or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah. But let's before we go too far, let's kind of break down what SAG and are we saying AFTRA. AFTRA. SAG okay. AFTRA. So when you see this really weird letters, what does that actually mean? So it was formed in 2012 after the merger of Screen Actor Guild. SAG so SAG. Founded in 1933. So Mm -hmm. that's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. And then the AFTRA is the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. So Mm -hmm. that's how you get, don't you just love all those acronyms out there? (laughs) SAG-AFTRA. SAG-AFTRA. Um, so, I mean, it kind of looks like it's a, you know, militia gang or something. I don't know. It's, it looks scary to me, the AFTRA.
2: What's fun is who are they fighting? SAG-AFTRA and WGA. Who are they both fighting? The AMPTP. The AMPTP. So we got more letters. Oh, more it's letters. exciting.
0: But so this guild represents roughly 160,000 performers from Oscar winners, A-list stars such as Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep to radio personalities and television presenters. And the president is... Miss Fran Drescher.
2: yes, the nanny, blew my mind. I know. The nanny,
0: and she is on fire. Like her videos, if you've seen her, this girl is on fire. Sorry,
1: can y'all laugh like the nanny? No. <laughs> Oh, that's actually pretty good. No. (laughs) Yeah, and and SAG as an actor, you hear about actors getting their SAG card. That's like the big deal. And that's Mm. how you get paid the big bucks. I was never a SAG member. That's why I got paid $43 to get naked in a cotton field. Mm.
0: (laughs) You can't just do it. You have to like be invited to be a SAG?
1: Yeah, you have to have
2: a certain number of basically union approved hours credit before you
1: can actually okay. join the union. Basically, the production has to pay you a lot of money if you speak. That's why a lot of movies I was on, I was in he- uh, heavily used extra close-ups and everything, but they're like, you can't speak. Don't say a word. You're not a SAG actor.
0: That's why it's so important. Or they have to pay you is.
1: a ton of money. Mm-hmm.
0: But so then that means this is a representation of 160,000 people who are in this. They are a, actively a part of the movie and TV industry. Mm-hmm. So who are the key players and what do they want who are your parents and what do they do <laughs> <laughs> they dispute uh, the dispute pits between Sagaftra and the PTP yeah court likes just saying these words
2: alliance of motion picture and television producers <laughs> or amput-
0: a, amput- a trade <laughs> a trade association that represents behemoth. Basically behemoth all <laughs> of, entertainment all of, the, of course all, they'd use a word like behemoth
2: all of the entertainment corporations, basically.
0: Yeah. Disney, Netflix, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Discovery, NBC, blah, 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 all the things.
2: All of the things.
0: So you got your writers and your actors are fighting with the movie and television producers. Okay, makes sense. Every, yeah, and- everybody's at fighting. My question, my little side note, we're not going to dive down to this too much, but I was in New York. No deep
2: dive. No deep dive.
0: Think about the elements of a movie. You know, you've got writers, you've got actors, producers, and then of course you've got like craft services and makeup and costuming. But the other big, I mean, those are real big ones as well, but the other one is music. I happened to be in New York and this was, I was in high school or even middle school. The musicians on Broadway were striking And it was the coolest strike I have ever seen because they were doing a funeral through the streets of New York and they were carrying caskets and you just had the trombones and the um, trumpets playing this like real sultry, like jazz. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Of course, then it's Sucked because I was in New York and all the Broadway shows were set, shut down Indeed. because the musicians weren't playing. But sorry, I had to throw that out there because who knows the musicians might be next.
2: Well, so we did, we covered the player sag after an AMPTP. Um, but also, let's just just so we have them all out there. Remember the writers. The WGA is the Writers Guild of,
1: of America. America. Writers Guild of America.
2: Okay, there we go. So we got them all on the table now. The interesting thing about the writers is a lot of your directors and producers also happen to be part of the WGA. And so strike rules mean that if you are a part of this union and the union votes to strike, there are things you can't do. If you're a writer, you can't write for a television show, you can't write for a movie. You can't be on set and offer lines. So what it doesn't matter if you're producing on a show. If you are a member of the WGA, and you're like, oh, well, we've got the script. I can, you know, we can produce this script. Well, that's fine, but you can't be on set offering lines because uh-huh. you're writing. And that's, you know, that's a violation of your of your WGA membership. Yeah. Similarly, SAG-AFTRA actors, they can't act in anything, obviously, while they're on strike.
0: And like the Oppenheimer premiere mm-hmm. they all had to walk out.
2: Yeah, you are you cannot promote any of your projects, you cannot act on screen on camera. You also can't do looping or um
0: TV trailers, promos, voice yeah. acting, narration, stunt coordination.
2: So you can't do like an animated movie and say, "I'm not on camera." You know, that does, it's it's still acting as far as as far as the rules are concerned. You're you're basically prohibited from doing all of that while they're striking. So ain't nothing getting filmed while the WGA and the actors are both
1: on strike because you got nothing. Back to WGA. They are very organized. I went to the WGA website and they have the the strike hub is what they call it. Mm -hmm. And they have all the times and locations. Uh, You want to go to the Animators Writer Picket then show up at 230 Park Avenue South. If you want to go to the Comedy Writers Picket they have it at this location. It's really laid out nicely. That's awesome. Oh, if you want to pick at Paramount Plus, if you want to pick at NBC, I mean it is laid out.
0: I mean, unfortunately, I feel like lately there's been a lot of political stuff and it's caused a lot of people to strike or picket, but those have not been organized. There's been a lot of chaos with it, but this is very much, it's not violent. It is more of, Hey, we're trying to get our message across. This is what's going on. We have gotten to this point. And and like people in Memphis have talked about like FedEx pilots and trying to get their negotiations, like, Mm -hmm. are the pilots going to strike? And I think a negative connotation because of all the political stuff has been that strikes are violent and destructive. But these writers, these actors, they're not trying to destroy property. I am 99.9% sure if you saw an area that had just had a bunch of actors or writers striking and you, you know, they're all gone there's not going to be trash. There's not going to be stuff left over because they're wanting to make sure they're getting their message across and they don't want the publicity of, oh, look, all these actors were striking here and now there is trash everywhere.
2: I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on striking uh, on unions or anything like that. Obviously, uh, labor law is a class that I took in law school. So I'm familiar with unions. I'm familiar with their development. I'm familiar with what the courts have said about the, you know, whether or not they can exist and how you can or cannot interfere with them, both the starting up of a union and or the striking by a union and what an employer can do under certain circumstances, as as far as interaction with the union is concerned, uh, I I know at least that much. But we're not really going to get into that because that golly that that that's all
0: other yeah that's a whole other yeah, episode. A whole
2: nother episode. But I do want to say that I've always sort of assumed that when you're talking about the picketers. They're not trying to communicate with their employer. The the, the, the picketing isn't about getting their message across to their employer. They have union negotiators that are negotiating with the employer or with the AMPTP or, you know, whatever. There are specific people that are designated to go in and give their message to whoever it is they're negotiating with. Those picketers are communicating with you, with you, the the, the people – um, with us, with all of us, um, they are they are trying to get their message across because part of it is uh, is honestly a PR war. Part of it is whose message is going to resonate with the public. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, back in the 90s, uh, back in the late 90s, when the, uh, the there there was a baseball strike, and it was generally the, the strike when the strike happened, it was bad for baseball all around. Um, it, it really affected. People attending the games, people watching uh, watching on TV, everybody just sort of had a negative perception of the strike mm-hmm. and what caused it and who was being greedy and so on and so forth. If I have my facts right, and I know David Pickler will, will call me on this if I'm wrong, but if I have my facts right, what really brought baseball, Major League Baseball, back to full popularity after that that strike was the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, uh, home run yeah. race to see who could beat Roger Maris's record. Um and it was it was that season during that competition between McGuire and Sosa that baseball really saw a comeback. But prior to that it had really been injured by the strike. So these these actors and these writers that are out there striking right now, they want to make sure that they are presenting their full side of the story, and that the public is on their side and putting pressure on the AMPTP to basically cave to their demands, because if the public is siding with the actors and the writers, then production companies, uh, you know, could be potentially it's, feel the pressure.
0: It's, I would say it's peer pressure, because yeah. it's, you know, you think about it, it's how easy people have gotten canceled, their culture canceled, mm-hmm. um, or that, you know, a whole mass of people have hated a guy because Taylor Swift broke up with him and now she hates him. And so everybody hates him who is a fan of this. So when you see Mandy Patinkin, when you see Mandy Moore, um, you see somebody you love, then that could be the trigger that's like, wait, what is this? This is crap. Like, I love Mandy Moore. I love Mandy Patinkin. Like, I need to get behind. I don't know why I picked two Mandys, but I did. (laughs)
2: I like it. (laughs) I, I mean, I agree with you, but I also will point out that, you know, a lot of the time when you hear people like us, just sort of the general public pushing back against actors for striking. They're going like, oh yeah, like you need the money. Well, okay, so somebody like Tom Hanks or Meryl Streep, who obviously they support the strike, but they don't really need the money. They're they're doing fine. They're they're not the ones that we're talking about. We're talking about the background actors. We're talking about people that maybe have one or two lines. We're talking about people that are maybe a series regular on a TV show, but they're not one of the big stars. They just have yeah. one or two lines an episode. And what they were really relying on before streaming became the big thing, they were re- relying on a check for every time their episode aired on television. They would get a little bit of money from that airing. That's called a residual and they don't get that from streaming. And so the little guy, the small name actor who maybe not everybody knows who that what their name is, they're the ones that are really getting hurt by streaming and they are also probably the most likely to be the first ones that are replaced by AI and digital mm-hmm. reengineering of their of their appearance if, if the studios were to go that direction. So they're the ones that are being hurt. So when you hear You know, Tom Hanks is on the side of uh, SAG-AFTRA. He's not on the side of SAG-AFTRA for himself. He's on the side of SAG-AFTRA because he knows that the little man is—the little guy, the little girl is getting stepped on if these things are not taken into consideration and if they aren't compensated for the new paradigm of streaming of television and or movies and so forth.
1: The most random actor came to mind whenever you were talking about kind of the reoccurring background guy, Mm -hmm. Gunther on Friends. (laughs) I feel yeah. like yeah, I feel like he kind of fits that mold. Gunther, yeah. yeah, he's always there, but he only has a line or two.
2: Everybody and, knew who well, Gunther was, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't making like seventy thousand, yeah. hundred thousand an episode. And or you anything.
0: don't really
1: know the actor's name; you just yeah. know the character. Yeah. Well,
0: and it's Kurt from Gilmore Girls. I've seen videos of him mm-hmm. where he's talking about now. Now, granted, he's a gun, so he's now been in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, Gilmore Girls has made so much money being on all the streaming mm-hmm. and really just, but. Kurt is a very minor character he hasn't of that really show. Seen
2: anything from that stream? No, you know. And
0: so I agree. It's you know, your story came about saying Mandy Moore was only making you know pennies on this. She's giving a comparison of look, I'm a star on this show, and I was getting this. Think about what that girlfriend who was on five episodes, what she was getting. Mm-hmm. Cam, I feel like you've got some definitions up. Court was
1: reading my mind. A few minutes ago, you started talking about why they were striking, and you answered my question. It's been burning in my head. It's like, what is the difference between a union and a guild? And so I Googled it, but you kind of answered it. Unlike unions that focus on bargaining between workers and owners, guilds primarily facilitate negotiations between their own members. Yeah.
0: What the writers are seeking is a new contract with the producers, an agreement that they believe must account for the economic realities of the streaming revolution and the risk posed by emerging digital technology. Kind of talked about AI and how he feels like it's going to be the next um, revolution, you know, next industrial revolution we've got, because it can be good, but we have to be strategic with it. We have to be understanding. We have to embrace it and make sure that we're tweaking things as we move forward. You know, the Guild would like increased performer-based compensation, which union leaders say has declined dramatically as entertainment companies pivot away from paying out residuals, a type of royalty that was more common when popular shows were sold instead of banked exclusively for streaming services.
2: Yeah, the syndication was much bigger, and yeah. that's really where shows, where shows and the actors could make a lot of their money. Yeah, um, Mandy
1: Moore in her interview that I was discussing, she said the residual issue is a huge issue. We're in incredibly fortunate positions as working actors, having been on shows that found tremendous success in one way or the other. But many actors in our position for years before us were able to live off of residuals or at least pay their bills. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking like live in the lap of
2: luxury. We're talking about people who are just basically able to pay bills and live a normal life in a normal house or maybe even just a normal apartment out in L.A. because mm-hmm. they can't afford a house um, because, you know, whatever.
0: And that's kind of going back to the fandom. That's why you see some of these 90s stars and stuff like that having to then go and do these comic cons and fandom things because they were maybe they're not really acting right now. Maybe they've stopped acting and are settled down with the family, but they were used to getting that say by the bell check or, yeah. you know, not. A two one oh check, and now they're not getting it.
2: Here is another point that you should should be aware of. The financial impact is extraordinarily far reaching You're not just talking about the uh the television stations being impacted by this, obviously, the writers and the actors, as long as they're striking, they're not getting paid. Uh, te- television stations, producers, uh, uh, c- production companies, they're not getting any money if they're not producing. People that do craft services, so like, uh, have an makeup aunt- artists, stuff like that, costume designers, they're not getting yeah, paid. Yeah.
0: Daniel's aunts and craft services in Atlanta. And she has, she's worked on Righteous Gemstones. Mm-hmm. She um, was in the middle of doing a Nissan commercial and, you know, was unsure if that was going to keep going. But her life, in in addition to having a client who's a costume designer, their lives are based off of keep getting jobs, keep yeah. having these things, and production is shut down. So they're now having to dip into their emergency funds, dip mm-hmm. into their savings accounts. And the one who's a costume designer out in L.A., she was like, I need, I need more money because I don't know how long we're going to be doing this. I promise as soon as I get working, I can put it back yeah. and start building it back up again. But I don't know how long this is going to last. So, yeah, it is— It's the little guys that are affected. And so obviously the Actors Guild really had to think about this has gotten so bad that we have to sacrifice knowing that it is hurting an entire community. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I I went on a deep dive on TikTok the other day about this because I wanted to learn more about it. This is also going to be affecting Broadway because you've got there's obviously must be a loophole somewhere.
2: Well, again, you know, for instance, Screen Actors Guild, the Federation of Television Actors, yeah. they're specifically talking about those filmed acting experiences. The theatrical performers are in a completely different uh, union. So. so
0: then like, for instance, um, this was a, a, a person who is trying to get it big on Broadway and as an actor. And she said, so like last time the actors. Sh- had a strike, then a lot of them, like a Mandy Moore, somebody like that, may come to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Neil Patrick Harris may come to Broadway, and then all of a sudden, of course, if you've got your production, then if Neil Patrick Harris wants to play the lead, you're going to let him play the lead, which then is a ripple effect, because then your current lead is now going to become the understudy, which then means Jimmy, who th- was playing the understudy, is now in the chorus or not hired mm. or, you know, who knows what. Yeah. And so then we're going to have a segment of however long that ripple happens of actors who are not able to get their break because then these other actors are coming down to Broadway.
2: Also consider this, just... To to put it into perspective in, in terms of how it's going to affect the random Joe's pocketbook. Yeah, h- how this might affect you is let's say just hypothetically you as an investor own Disney stock, mm-hmm. uh, and let's say that Disney is negatively impacted because uh, by the strikes because they don't have the content they're not able to put out the as much content as they used to so they're not generating the revenue that they used to. They have a quarterly uh, revenue report that shows that their revenue is down by some amount and all of a sudden their stock price bottoms out because their revenue is down, uh, if you own stock in that company, then that's going to negatively, you know, at least on in the short term, that's going to negatively impact your portfolio. So, yep, that's, you know, far-reaching impacts here.
0: This isn't going to be like, okay, hey, we, we've got an agreement. Everything's going to pick back up. Not as necessarily financially to your pocketbook, but Content wise, here's some movies and TV shows and events that are going to be mm-hmm. delayed. This breaks my heart. Movies. Beetlejuice 2. Ugh. I mean, I, we've seen the posts, the pictures of mm-hmm. them working on it. It's it's going to be delayed. Captain America, Brave New World. Mm-hmm. Deadpool 3. Yeah. That's sad. Ah, oh, man.
2: I'm looking forward to that movie.
0: <laughs> I know Nicole is extremely mm-hmm. upset about this one. Wicked. It was 10 days from wrapping.
2: Man. Mm. So it was
0: just there. It was
2: almost done,
1: yeah.
0: TV shows, um, Abbott Elementary, Mm -hmm. Daredevil Born Again, Mm -hmm. Severance.
1: Oh, man, underrated show.
0: Stranger Things, which Ugh. is now reportedly being pushed to 2027. They're going to be
2: so
1: old. They are.
0: They're going to be so old. I just, uh, yeah. whatever. And then Yellow Jackets,
2: which I watch. It's, I, I yeah. enjoyed the first it's season, good. but I can only watch it when I'm in a hotel that has Showtime because I don't.
0: <laughs> and, and this is just a, a quick highlight. There's going to be so much more than this. Mm-hmm. Events, the mm-hmm. 2023 Emmy Award. Nothing oh, set yeah. in stone yet, but probably going to be delayed. They're going to probably
2: have to delay that.
0: This one, which goes directly mm-hmm. to the episode we just did, San Diego Comic Con Hall mm. H.
2: No more. No, no more. I mean it's no it's, panels. No yeah. promotion. It's but gonna it, go
0: back to comics.
2: Yeah. It's it's just a comic convention and that's all it is. Yeah. You know, no actors I mean, I guess an actor could go to Comic Con just as a just as a person and yeah, like but be they on the can't. floor, but they can't, you know, they can't promote anything. They can't do a panel or anything.
0: Mm-mm. And then uh, another acronym, TIFF. The Toronto International Film Festival. Actors aren't allowed to promote projects at the film festival. So, unless something changes before September, this won't be happening. Mm. So, industry impact, economic consequences for yeah. both sides. I think we've
2: kind of covered yeah. most of the industry on impact. studios, yeah. Lost
0: revenue, um, um, public perception and support, yeah. potential resolutions, agreement. Okay, how
2: are they going to figure yeah. it out? Yeah. They're going to figure it out.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, they're going to come to an agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, reach between the unions and the... AMPTP. Ratification process by union members, resumption of work and production activities with updated contracts and potentially improved conditions. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's the thing is, it's obviously... Whoever created Black Mirror... Mm-hmm.
2: They <laughs> obviously saw the future. They
0: just lit a fire on this, because yeah. now everybody's like, Exhibit A. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: And can I just, like, to close it out for y'all, um, can I just give you my crazy uh, Demolition Man-style theory of what's going to happen? Yes. Oh, let's hear okay, it. Okay, so, so here's my Demolition Man-style. Everybody that's familiar with the Demolition Man movie, one of the plot points of Demolition Man is that there was a fast food wars. Uh, there was fast food war, and All of the restaurants closed. None of the restaurants survived except for Taco Bell. So Taco Bell is now the only restaurant in the future. Taco Bell is the restaurant in Demolition Man. And so I've kind of been just sort of messing around in my mind with what could potentially happen, because we do have not just the Writers Guild and the actors that are striking right now, but there are some other potentially big strikes that are that are looming on the horizon. Uh, UPS, their workers are talking about striking. And then I heard a murmur that you might have, at least among those that are unionized, you might have Amazon workers strike, and that could affect Amazon's ability to fulfill orders and so forth. So my theory is if UPS goes on strike and, and Amazon goes on strike and all these actors Actors and, and writers are continue to be on strike. Then basically everything is shut down. Who wins in that circumstance?
0: FedEx. 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 Go Memphis. Big so, Memphis. <laughs> in,
2: in the future, all movies and all online purchases and all deliveries will be handled by FedEx.
0: FedEx. Interesting. Hey, <laughs> that, that is Quartz's uh, demolition man <laughs> theory. Um, I do want to throw this fact out there because I do think it's interesting. Um, we have talked about writers have striked before. Actors have striked before. You know, the writers went on strike on May 2nd. But with both Hollywood actors and writers now on strike, this is the first double strike of its kind. Since 1960. Mm-hmm. So think about the actors that were going on back then, 1960. Would that be like Humphrey Bogart and um, some mm, of them?
2: That's not, I don't think that's that. That, that no, was Humphrey, that's 40s. 40s. Right? Yeah. I mean, 1960 was like a lot of the same actors that we have today. They're just old. Yeah. Like Dustin Hoffman, Paul Newman. Yeah. Um, Paul, Paul you know, Newman was who I think.
0: I was picturing Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He, he's still around, you know, right? Um, but so this was the first double of its kind since 1960. The entertainment industry is essentially going dark. Mm-hmm. This Sadness. has been a, yeah, this has been a, obviously something that the three of us are very passionate about.
1: In fact, we're about to go strike
0: <laughs> right.
1: in solidarity. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: But obviously, with Cam's background, I am um, just interested to watch this unfold. It's kind of like when COVID was going on. I kept telling people history books are being written right now. Mm-hmm. History books are being written right now. Um, there's so much bursting with AI. Again, it, it's it's that's well, the not fun the main thing about
2: that is, you know, at least uh, with AI, we won't have to do the writing of the history books. We can just let AI write the history books because, you know, that's what it's good at is writing. So, you know, there's
1: that. Put chat GPT to work. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but ChatGPT is only, you know, we talked about before, is only as good as the content that's in there. It can only go to September. No, even if you pay. I uh, was working on something the other day and I typed something, a question in there and it says, my knowledge is only based off of September 2021. And I have the paid version. You have the, bougie. Well, I couldn't get the free one to work for me. Ah,
1: hmm. I will say. As annoying and sad as it is that, like, Stranger Things is going to be delayed a few years, Mm. the reason people strike and picket is for fairness and justice. Mm. And so you got to put yourselves in their shoes, which can be hard when you're talking about millionaires and these famous people. But they want fairness just like you and I want fairness.
0: Yep, Just find a new show to... An Re- old old new show reruns <laughs> syndicated
1: stuff Seinfeld
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'll I'll be watching Breaking Bad
1: well and I
2: guess you know that is one thing that I don't think we mentioned on air that that we could say uh, that I, I mentioned to y'all um, what we are seeing is a lot of these networks that don't have content are pulling content from lesser known or lesser uh, subscribed to uh, networks to air on their networks. So like the major networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, they're pulling stuff from streaming services. They're pulling stuff from from smaller cable channels to air on their networks in the fall because they're not going to have content to air. So like, for instance, CBS is going to be airing
0: Yellowstone. Yellowstone.
2: Yellowstone, presumably from the start of the first season.
0: So then that's gonna hit my pocketbook because I only subscribed to Paramount because of <laughs> Yellowstone. So now I've got to figure out CBS. <laughs>
2: mm. There was one other show that some that, that they mentioned that's gonna be airing, I think, on ABC, but I can't remember what it was. But it was another it's another show that was being pulled from a streaming service to basically be aired like a normal TV show on ABC with commercials and everything.
0: So I'll kind of bullcast bullcast, I'll kind of bullseye this on bullcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope the nanny goes in there and kicks some ass and gets what the actors and writers need. Let's let's hope that they work together. They figure this out. You know, this is for everybody. This isn't just for the big celebrities, but it will be very fascinating to watch. I think that even though you may think you're just getting hit with it of your content in your home, this is going to be an e- economic thing that affects everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I'd pay attention to it.
2: Indeed. Bullseye. I think that's a good bullseye. Cameron, you want to add anything? I already
1: bullseyed earlier.
2: <laughs> Whoops. Cameron already bullseyed. Put
1: yourselves in their shoes and don't be as annoyed as you are. Yep. <laughs> well, guess what that means.
2: Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beamed directly to your listening device every single Thursday At noon, if you'd like to find out more about Katie Pickler, Cameron Spann, or Court Winsett, please feel free to go to our website, that is bullcastpodcast.com. Uh, You can read our bios there. You can also drop a comment if you'd like to talk back to us about anything that we've said, or if you'd like to suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, or if you'd like to suggest a guest that we might have on our show, please feel free to drop that there. If you like pictures of us, why? But if you like pictures of us, then uh, we do have pictures of us, uh, of ourselves on Instagram. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast. We also tweet uh, we are still on Twitter, despite the fact that Twitter seems to be circling the drain. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. We are not yet on Threads, but who knows? Any day now, maybe we'll get a Threads handle. Hey, that's up to that's up to Commonwealth. Yeah, well, not only that, but it's also up to Threads. The it's it's difficult for a non-person entity to get a Threads account right now, from what I've heard. Anyway, that's uh, beside the point. Um, we do have a Facebook page. That Facebook page is Bullcast the Podcast. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, as we are constantly reminding you, we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you would like to find out more about what we do at Pickler Wealth Advisors, what we might be able to do for you, find out about our team and find out about our boss, David Pickler. Please feel free to go to that website. That website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Boom. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you everything you need to go forth and be sad that the movies aren't gonna be coming out so for now with sadness i'm court i'm katie i'm cameron oh they're happy and we're out